Hello and welcome to the Blockchain and Us, where pioneers and thought leaders talk about their journey in blockchain technology, crypto assets, and the token economy. And I'm your host, Manuel Staggers. This episode has support from no official sponsor, but from my very own The Blockchain and Us newsletter. Get an email from me every two weeks with a very short summary of new podcast episodes so you can immediately pick those interviews you'd like to listen to. To stay up to date, just visit www.theblockchainandus.com and sign up today. My guest today is Daniel Dahl Steinberg. Daniel is the CEO of Blockchain Smokers in London, where he helps companies embrace blockchain technology to achieve growth. He is a former banker in London and New York and a founder and co-founder of several companies, including the Atari token, and he is also an active investor and mentor to technology companies. And now, to the interview. Hello, Daniel, and thanks a lot for making time for this interview. Hi, Manuel. Thank you for asking me. Uh, we met last year at a film screening of my blockchain film in London and have stayed in touch since. And um, back then, that whole blockchain discussion had just started to pick up in Europe. What have you been doing over the last year? Well, the, the space is incredibly fast moving. Um, nor, I, I've tended to change from working five to six days a week into working six to seven days a week. I don't think I get a day off. Um, it's a very global space. So, you know, I travel enormously around the world. Um, I've, I've uh, clocked up so many air miles. I'm sort of platinum American and silver BA flying wow. economy everywhere. Okay. And, you know, the, what I've, what I've noticed is the space is getting bigger and bigger and you're meeting more and more people. So, so whereas when we met last, I think it was, a uh, I mean, it was a relatively small group of people that were that were enthusiastic about the space and and the real sort of innovators in the space doing things. I think there are there are more and more people coming on, and that's something that I've been welcoming. You know, you know, when we first met, one of the things I was doing was trying to encourage uh, industrial players and successful serial entrepreneurs to move into the space, to to work on the blockchain and to develop projects because I felt that would. Um, move it outside um, the, the space that it was in and also move it very, very quickly. Um, the other thing um, I've seen is um, the speed has just increased, you know, and uh, the, the blockchain has started to create sub-innovations like the token sale, um, um, which is now becoming a potentially uh, global fundraising mechanism for all types of, of companies and all types of, of assets. Um, so so I've, I've seen that. Um, I've also seen that a lot of the um, com early companies into the space in terms of the support companies are now being uh, replaced and enhanced by people with experience in those areas. And, uh, and it's really welcoming to see that, um, you know, I, when I look at this space, um, I, I'm reminded of the internet space, uh, you know, 20, 20 odd years ago, but, but this is on double or triple speed. Um, and, and the other thing that you, you tend to find is a lot of people in this space are very idealistic about what they want to achieve. And that's, it's really refreshing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same boat here. I mean, it's, I've been in the dot-com boom 1.0, right. And, and there, everybody had a business plan and everybody was, uh, you know, wanted to do something, but now this time around, you know, a few years ago, it's just so much more professional, I feel even, and, and everybody's on board. Back then, it was still, I mean, at the very beginning, right, 95, 96, it was, a, you know, it just picked up very slowly. And here we went from zero to 100 in, in two or three months, I feel. Well, I think I think that's an element of, of of where we are as societally in the in the West, particularly in the West. Um, you know, when when the internet boom was uh, was starting, it was rare for someone to come straight out of college or university and found a firm. You know, they they were still going into you know the traditional. Uh, enterprises and working for big companies and then moving out into the space. It was rare for uh, CEOs of large companies to jump ship and uh, 
and start a or join a, a startup. You know, I remember it was massive press. I think it was Webvan when the the head of Arthur Anderson, I think it was at the time of someone like that, left to join Webvan. It was like this is this is front page news. You know, because of the success of the internet and and we and and the social networking and people see the success. And you know, one of the things that I'm always fascinated by, and I always used to talk at the when I when I was advising people like the European Commission, etc., I always said, you know, the way you create more entrepreneurs is show them success that they can relate to. So, so one of the things that you see is people, uh, children of parents who are successful entrepreneurs are incredibly likely to become entrepreneurial because they see that success. And I think the internet has shown now, you know, with the likes of Zuckerberg and, you know, uh, the Google guys, Paige and Bryn, that people can come out of college and create these incredible companies, um, that, that people do that. So what you're seeing in this space now is a lot of young, very young people who, who have just left college with very, very relevant skills and very, very fresh skills uh, are trying it. And, and failure is not considered an issue, you know, that they'll try it again and again. But the other thing you see, because the internet has shown this, is traditional uh, people from traditional industry um, who've had careers in those industries are also making the, made the leap into the internet. So this time around with the blockchain, you've already got in people's minds that new, new technology and fast innovation and fast growing markets are a perfectly acceptable way to build a career. And, and, and clearly that's made, and you can see that this time, you know, the number of people you meet from, from both sides that are jumping into this space and um, being congratulated by people rather than looked at with, 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 with horror is interesting. I mean, just to go back to my childhood, when I was 16, I was at a British public school, a very good British public school as it happened, um, one of the best. And, and I remember when I was 15, 16, and I, I was with one of my sir masters who I liked a lot, actually, a very, uh, you know, a, a very good guy. And I told, he asked me, because it was a careers day, what did I want to do when I left school? And I said, you know, I'd eventually like to start a business like my father. And he looked at me sort of incredulously. He said, you know, you know, people don't do that. <laughs> you know, they go, you can become a lawyer or a politician or a doctor or a whatever, you know, and. And so 30 years ago, it was it was frowned upon in the Internet time. It was rare. Now it's very common. If I if someone said to him uh, his equivalent today, I'm going to go and start a blockchain company or I'm going to do something on my own. It'd be encouraged. Mm -hmm. Right. Would be like, why haven't you done that yet? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a good point. And um It's, it's definitely something that's happening everywhere, I feel. For you, you're based in London, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is it still is it still a good place to be, like on the forefront of this trend? And I mean, are there many people coming through through London or working out of London in this field? Well, London is generally a very good place to locate a business. Um, it's got a lot of huge advantages. One, it's time, time zone central. Um, it's uh, it speaks English. Um, there are a lot of people from every country in the world. So getting people to speak other languages is very easy and other cultures to understand those is very easy. Um, it's, it's democratic. Um, taxes are high, but not um, um, prohibitive. So people, people do come here and it's got a lot of industry. You know, it's got a lot of service industries um, around it and a lot of management offices for other companies are based in London. So, yes. Um, however, um, The, the blockchain revolution is very global. And, you know, when you go to, when I used to go to internet type events, you know, you would see, you know, Western Europeans mainly and Americans. They were, now it's, uh, it's across the world, you know, people from Asia, people from Russia, people from Ukraine, they're all in this space. And you're getting the best of the best all around the world. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is there is, Whilst um, there is some concern about uh, the the blockchain and what it's going to do from from authorities, there is also this uh, this race to, to by some uh, uh, territories to uh, adopt blockchain and have them, you know, as 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 a as a, as a business that that locates there. 
Um, so you're saying, seeing places like Gibraltar, you're seeing places like Singapore, you're seeing places like Moscow, which traditionally wouldn't be the place that people would choose first to start these businesses, but they're being started in those locations. Um, and the other thing you see is the U.S., uh, historically had, had been the lead in innovation in the last, what, 30, 40 years. Um, that is, whilst it's still very, very large there, it's not um, completely dominant. I mean, Tel Aviv, for instance, I was in Tel Aviv last, last week, and you see very much in Tel Aviv um, blockchain uh, as, a, as a major um, what's the word? A major uh, uh, innovation and, and and a lot of skill sets going into that. Uh, and you'd expect it actually from Israel. You know, all the security people and all the the people that, that with high tech skills. A lot of Russians immigrants there too. You know, that would be somewhere that you would expect that to come to come out of. I think. But I think the the thing you've got to bear in mind here is also the cost of um, the cost of of, of people. You know, um, because the skill set is so global, you know, there is a there is much more um, uh, consideration of where of where those where you should locate your office based on the, the cost. And I, I think that's a great thing, because um, rather than just automatically going to the high expensive areas with with expensive people, you're you're allowing um, very good people from different territories to 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 earn significant uh, amounts of money, and I think that's a re that's a real positive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I think it's a positive. Also, that those people who want to do something don't necessarily have to go to Silicon Valley, right, to get access to capital and to be in an entrepreneurial space. I mean, it used to be like that, but but now it certainly has moved on. I mean, have you? I'm based in Switzerland, and Switzerland has started to brand itself as this whole crypto valley um, place and wants to attract a lot of industry here. Have you looked at this place as well or are you often in Switzerland? Um, I'm in Switzerland very, very often, uh, less so for blockchain than other things, uh, oddly enough. Um, I like Switzerland a lot. Um, when we first looked at <clears throat> where we were going to locate what we were doing, uh, Switzerland was on the list and relatively high. Um, we decided against it for for a number for a few reasons. Um, uh, not 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 the environment was not as good as other places. It just wasn't uh, the place I wanted to to set up this one. Which which um, reasons yeah. which reasons were those? Um, I think the expense was was one of them. Um, I think the uh, staffing in Switzerland is harder than in other places in the world. Mm -hmm. um, um, and I think, um, you know, the Swiss are very, uh, it's quite a regulated, a regulated place. Um, and we wanted someone that w was slightly freer. Um, but, but, but that was June last year. I mean, I think Switzerland has moved on a lot in that time. Um, and if I were doing it, if we were doing it again now, um, maybe we would have chosen, chosen what we were doing. And, and interestingly, the, the costs of the business of setting up these businesses has rocketed in the last year. I mean, multiplied by a factor of 10, I would say. Hmm. So what, where the Swiss were looking expensive in those days, I suspect they're not looking nearly as expensive nowadays um, uh, in terms of, in terms of creation of the, of the companies. Um, what, what are the, those costs? I'm wondering, I mean, is it legal well, compliance? It's, it's, it's it's company it's company and corporation it's 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 staffing for those companies because <clears throat> if you if you create a company in a territory you you do want to eventually have a lot of staff there um, and mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, have, and a head office there I mean often that's very difficult at the beginning with with the blockchain particularly because these companies start start very small um, and then they grow big so it, it comes slightly later. Um, that was one of them. I think the legal costs were very, very uh, large there, and the and the and the time to create the companies were much were much longer than in other in other territories in terms of the legal work. Um, and also the um, the because Switzerland was so popular in June last May, June, July, August last year, mm -hmm. the the legal firms hadn't been able to. Uh, build up skills quickly enough. And so their their lead time into the work was very, very long, um, which meant that, uh, you know, the, the thing I think about, you know, what have I noticed about this space in the last year? You asked me that at the beginning. I think, you know, 
The other thing I've, I've, I've realized too is whilst we're all in a hurry to do things, actually you always have more time than you think. Um, and uh, so looking back on the last year, you know, we could, we, those things that seem too long for us to, 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 to make a decision for the, based on that, it was, was possibly not a, should not have been a criterion of the choice um, at the time. So, so what I'm saying about Switzerland is, um, I think what they're doing is very positive. And I would, you know, the decisions I made about Switzerland last year are not necessarily the same decisions I would have made this year. I mean, I'm not saying I've met, we've, I'm not saying the decision we made, we've actually located in Gibraltar. I'm extremely happy with that decision. But, but the criteria with which I would have made that decision if I made it stay would be different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely understand. I mean, I hear similar things from 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 many people, to be honest, you know, those those entrepreneurs who are already here, who are Swiss, of course, they enjoy being here and they want to stay here. But many others um, look further and they look into other jurisdictions to start mm. something. Was that when you set up we when you said you set up in Gibraltar, was that with uh, with blockchain smokers? No, that was with the Atari project. Mm, um, right. I want to get into that in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So no, the blockchain smokers product is a UK company. Mm -hmm. um, it, but it's not a, it doesn't require the sort of legals and regulations that, that, that what we're doing with Atari mm -hmm. requires. It's a, it's a much more, it's more of a, an advisory consultancy service. So blockchain smokers I created in early 2017, having been learned about the blockchain in mid mid 2016 i started learning about the blockchain and i was fascinated by it and i really wanted to get involved so the, the the way i did that was to to join forces with three other people in fact it was four at the beginning and they became three um who were from different backgrounds one was in one ran an accelerator one was uh, a real a blockchain guru you know triple phd and uh, uh, advised a lot of the big blockchain platforms and understood the maths behind it and a guy from ibm who are well, two guys from ibm one x one existing who really understood i felt the practical implications of the blockchain industry and blockchain smokers was there to eulogize or not eulogize uh, infuse people about the block about the blockchain why you should get into the blockchain and try and bring industry players in mm -hmm. and we were and we started that process um quite well there are there are several companies that i can see now nowadays i was with one recently that that we did encourage to get into the blockchain and they're doing incredibly well mm -hmm. um but but the What we were doing with that company sort of uh, uh, was has been put on hold because of what I'm doing in other spaces mm -hmm. at the moment. But I but I do have the intention of 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 continuing that um, that uh, journey. Um, uh, maybe as maybe as blockchain smokers, maybe as something else. I mean, mm -hmm. I still when I talk at events, I I have never I've only talked probably three times under the bra the banner Atari. Um, Uh, or the, its project name. I probably talked to twice under its project name. It had a project name mm -hmm. previously to that. Um, I'm almost always talking as blockchain smokers. And the reason I do that is I feel that's, that's, that's not at all partisan. That's very, you know, I just talk about the blockchain as someone that's not trying to sell anything, not trying, not with a, with a specific uh, self-interest. It's apart from the fact that I think people should be in the blockchain, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, And so I use that, 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 I still use that email address a lot because I, I use it when I'm, when I'm, I'm, I'm talking about blockchain in, in general and what it can do. Mm -hmm. It's, it's such a good name. I mean, I'm sure that's also a reason to, to keep using that email address. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that name. And, you know, it was, it's a funny name because we, we only sort of kept, we came up with it in May. Funnily enough, we were working without a name for many months and we needed a name in May last year and no one could come up with a name. And I happened to be, uh, my daughter had just booked, told me she'd book tickets to see the chain smokers. Mm. And it just struck me that, you know, blockchain smokers was, uh, was, was just such a cool mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. Cool. Let's, um, 
Let's talk a little bit later more about the projects you did there. But first, I want to get into the Atari token. Um, how did you get involved? I, I saw you were a co-founder of, of the project. How did you get involved with it? Well, funnily enough, I got involved via blockchain smokers. Uh, so, so my thesis for blockchain smokers from, from late 2016 was to bring industry players into the blockchain. You know, mm -hmm. I really wanted people that understood their industry, had existing technology that they were using in the industry and understanding the people in the industry and how you integrate into that industry. You know, it's no good building the best product in the world. Um, and I've done that with a few companies I've been involved with. They're not the best products in the world, but phenomenal products for their industry. But the industry just won't take it up. You know, it's it's just, you know, you, you don't have the mechanism, the understanding of that industry for them to pick it up and, and use it. So so that's that's a death knell to a product. So, so Blockchain Smokers was all about taking people that understood their industries, converting what they did to the blockchain and understanding what its use case was. So its use case probably wasn't what they were currently doing. Um, and then having industry players insert that blockchain into the industry with the understanding. So um, what, what I did in early 2017 is to understand the process. I took one of my very early companies, one of the first companies I founded that had some really groundbreaking technology in the entertainment space. It was one of the very first companies that ever delivered activation keys around the world. You know, when you buy a, uh, a product like Norton Antivirus or Microsoft Office, it says, please enter your, you enter your code, that, that 16 digit numer alphanumerical code. So in the, the old days, that was printed on a disk you know, or printed inside the box, and you would type it in. Um, we were the first company that started delivering those codes electronically to people. So, you know, rather than put them in boxes. So it was a great, it was a good, it was a great innovation at the time. Other people started doing it around the same time, but um, we were one of the very first and we have a lot of, you know, but we changed an industry um, for, with that. So, but I took, but that was a tech that the people in it understood their industry, it was a great technology. They had a history of innovation and selling the innovations into, into big companies. So I took four people out of the company and I asked them to build the, that tech in blockchain, you know, just a proof of concept, and they built one. And um, in, in May last year, I started learning about token sales, and they fascinated me, token sales, um, really fascinated. My background is derivative uh, trading technology, so I really like innovations in finance and the global innovations in finance. And, and so the token sale really struck me as a, as a separate innovation to blockchain. It needs the blockchain to do it, I suspect, but it, it's a separate innovation and I loved it. So mm -hmm. I asked the team to start writing um, what you would need to do a token sale. Again, I was trying to learn the space. Um, approximately the same time, I reconnected with a very old friend of mine. In fact, he's my oldest friend. I've known him since I was three. Um, and but I haven't seen him very much in the last 15 years. You know, maybe we 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 speak on birthdays or send each other texts. But mm -hmm. uh, but I hadn't seen him. And he went to Dallas in the early 90s and started building game computer gaming companies. So he was involved in the very early um, flight simulators. Then he went into first person shooters. You know, and Medal of Honor um, came out of a team. He he created or worked with or you know which became call of duty and then he he discovered that he was one of the first three companies that discovered the casual gaming industry and and built an enormous company with casual gaming i think one of his games was downloaded a hundred million times in the first month you know oh, wow you know cool. he was you know a, a real funnily enough he's uh, he never made a big name for himself you know in the industry so people in the industry all know him but outside the industry is not like John Carmack or whatever, but mm -hmm. he's friends with all those guys. Um, but uh, uh, someone that understands gaming more than almost anybody else in the world. And I, I was talking to him about blockchain about the same time I was doing this. And he, I was telling him what I was doing. He hadn't heard of the blockchain. And it sort of was, it was what blockchain spokers were supposed to do. So I told him about the tech that we were converting to the blockchain. And he went away and thought about it for a while and came back to me and said, what you are creating here is something that 
I have been working on for the last, he has been working on for the last six years, which was a new way of uh, creating economies within games. So a new monetization engine for a game, for gaming, you know, the next generation of app stores and the blockchain allowed you to do it. So what we did is we, we merged his company and my company, um, Atari, we then built a board of directors. We have a very eminent game group of gaming guys. And one of them is the CEO of Atari. And when he joined what when he when he joined as a director and understood the enormous potential that this product has, um, he he asked if we would become the Atari platform and the Atari token. Um, and now we're the the there are four co-founders of the business. There's my Ron and the, his gaming side. There's myself and my uh, my uh, global platform side and content management side. Mm-hmm. There's Atari and there's um, now a guy called Anthony Diorio. He's the fourth honorary co-founder. He's one of the founders of Ethereum. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he he joined us yeah. very recently. Um, so so we now have this this phenomenal. Um, it's what blockchain smokers was there to do. Funnily enough, it was there to get people that understood the industry, people that understood the blockchain. And we have uh, one of the blockchain smokers, Guy Anish Mohammed, who's, mm-hmm. who's this mathematician, understands the, the deep workings of the blockchain. He's also involved. So we have this strong Anthony and Anish blockchain skills and, and the guys that were building the proof of concept for us in blockchain, they're involved. We have the incredible understanding of the games industry and what it needs to deliver. We have an incredible understanding of global platforms, security, managing assets, and we have Atari as the as the brand. And mm-hmm. that's really what Blockchain Smokers was there to create. Yeah, cool. I think there's a lot of interest from, you know, you said you said a brand, right? Established brands or established companies to use this technology for for their internal processes first, but also to create new products. I mean, I just had interviews with insurance companies and I mean, almost all of them have some kind of contracts that they're trying, right, to solve with smart contracts. And I think it's it's really promising. Um, I, you know, when you, speaking of the brand, right, I mean, of, of course you've seen this whole Kodak coin, right? And I read this article in Forbes about the Atari token where, A guy wrote, um, this seems, and I quote here, this seems like a way to attach a well-known name to a popular trend in order to generate interest and perhaps boost the fortunes of a fading company. And and he was talking about Atari. So I'm sure that's something you hear quite a lot, but what do you respond when somebody comes to you with with this? Well, we we heard it quite a lot in February. Um, We don't hear it much anymore. Um, the reason that that happened, um, I think it's more interesting to, to talk about why that happened, is um, uh, Kodak had just was in the, all the news at the moment. They were the first company to jump in. Uh, I don't really want to talk about what Kodak are doing because um, it doesn't fit with what my vision is for this space. Mm-hmm. But, but, but they have their own plans and it, it's not what I would do. Um, uh, let's f- suffice to say what, what they've done is not what I would do. Um, um, but, but I think what we're doing is, is very different. And, and the reason this article, these articles came around is because we were, we were running under a, a code name since June last year. It was mm-hmm. called Project Virtue. Mm-hmm. So we had a code name. We weren't announcing that we were Atari. Um, we weren't intending to announce that we were Atari till much further down the road, probably a bit after we are today. So we wanted to build a proper p- product, a proper team, a proper, uh, you know, uh, uh, package. We wanted to be quite well financed before we did that. And we wanted to tell our story. And our story is a very... Uh, powerful story what unfortunately happened i mean it's fortunate unfortunate press is never bad so mm-hmm. let me say i'm i'm pleased that we had 300 pieces of press or thereabouts including mm-hmm. telegraph you mentioned forbes there was fortune there was bloomberg even rolling stones cut rolling stone magazine covered it in fact the rolling That's stone great. magazine was very cool. was very was very positive actually but the reason it happened is atari are a shareholder in in the, this company it's a brand new company 
um, Atari shareholder and the CEO of Atari is a director of the company. But because Atari owned a, a, an equity holding and Atari are a publicly listed company in France and therefore have to obey the, the rules of the stock exchange, they felt obliged. Um, and I say feel obliged because I didn't look into the regulations myself, um, but they felt obliged under, under French regulations to um, announce the completion of the, 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 the deal. Um, so, so the deal was signed, but it took a long time to execute because we were trying to um, we were trying to build all the pieces before we 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 the, the deal was was finally executed. As I said, you know we we've, we've been planning this for unlike most ICOs, um, uh, including the ones you've been talking about, which are which are sort of created and then do a token sale th- six weeks later. We don't we haven't done that. We just take ten months, but because. Uh, uh, Atari issued a regulatory filing in February um, in French to the stock exchange. It got picked up. I think it was uh, Bloomberg that picked it up first, and they wrote about it. But because it just said Atari have acquired a piece of this company, um, and the company is going to do the Atari token, and that was pretty much all they said. There was no information. So the the closest anybody to, could get to what we were doing in February was what Kodak were doing. Mm-hmm. So we were we were we were labelled with the with the with the Kodak analogy. But I I think that's not the correct analogy. The correct analogy is more like what blockchain smokers was trying to do, which is it's taking industry experts and let's face it atari and the ceo of atari are industry experts it's take and ron me um, and anthony uh, are experts in our fields mm-hmm. and run uh creator you see the point about blockchain and when you talk about you know big companies looking at the blockchain the fear the the fear i always have with with big companies and and disruptive innovation is they don't actually embrace it you know mm-hmm. they they tend they pretend to they pretend to or they try to or the ceo has some vision you know that they should be doing this and puts a team on board you know it's a 50,000 person company they put a team of 50 on it or 30 that team get gets lost and the ceo loses interest or they find that to deliver the product damages their existing business and you know there is a there is a this period in which case they've got to suffer enormous losses and industry upheaval mm-hmm. to get to where they want to be that they find it very difficult to do that i think in the case that we've got where we were able to to merge all these teams from these companies without damaging the existing companies um, and do something brand new means that we're we're very free and 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 it's a bunch it's entrepreneurs you know they're four the co-founders are four entrepreneurs who have successful careers and you know in being entrepreneurs you know yeah. anthony um, has created a lot of companies he was founded ethereum ron has founded seven or eight at least game companies many of which are incredibly successful i've founded five five or six companies um and fred at atari is has has financed and run several companies so and is now the now took uh, atari um it as and it and runs it as a very entrepreneurial organization free for the first time in many many years free of a major company i mean atari's always been in for the since the 80s it's been embedded in large game companies, you know, from Hasbro to Warners to Infogram, they've all owned it as a subsidiary to use its name. This is the first time since it was founded that you've got someone that's running it, that's running it as an independent entity and trying to do really good things with it. You know, he's, you know, um, he's not trying to just put uh, uh, the the label on, uh, on, on various um digital items he's actually trying to create new things he's got the atari console coming out and and this really is you know the way i look at it and i you know uh, you know i look at the fact that in 19 atari was created in 72 in 1977 it created the vcs and that brought gaming into the real world i mean it was a it was a phenomenon and it and it created it was the it was the first console that everybody played, um, and in 2017, when we created the Atari token, 40 years later, 
we're rebooting Atari. And I like the expression rebooting Atari because you reboot hardware. And, uh, and we're, we're bringing um, the real world back into gaming. So I think, I think we're very different. Right. Different than Kodak and other offerings. Different from a, different from a lot of, uh, from a lot of um, um, ICOs. Either, either most, most token sales are either people understand the blockchain very, very, very well and are trying to create either platforms, which they'll probably be good at, or industrial solutions, which the, the jury's still out on, or it's people that don't really understand the blockchain but think it's a good idea, you know, in, in the, just to put the name on it to see what they can do. Yeah, I see. What uh, can you already talk about what the token will do? Let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. This episode has support from no official sponsor, but from my very own The Blockchain and Us newsletter. Get an email from me every two weeks with a very short summary of new podcast episodes so you can immediately pick those interviews you'd like to listen to. To stay up to date, just visit www.theblockchainandus.com and sign up today. Can you already talk about what the token will do? Um, no, we don't talk about the Atari token. Um, we have a, um, we have a, we have a very uh, regulated process. We're trying to make sure that we're as uh, as uh, regulated as possible in terms of uh, following existing laws. So we have a very defined process, and and unfortunately that requires a non disclosure agreement at the moment before we do it, and and uh, and we do that for for a number of reasons. Yeah, um, absolutely. But no, we don't. But but in in uh, the the sort of the sort of headline of, of what we're doing is we're creating the the next generation platform for the next generation of gaming, and the next generation of gaming is what I dub alternate realities, multi, any multiplayer game um, where people interact with, 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 with each other. We're, we're building the, 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 uh, the platform for that. Mm -hmm. Cool. You already mentioned, you know, the, the legal framework and the NDA and all those things you had to observe. In general, how do you, how do you approach this? Because the, the, the regulation seems to be somewhat uncertain how to deal with ICOs still all around the world. And um, I wonder how people who are very active in this space kind of hedge against that legal risk. Well, it's, it's, that's a really good and difficult good question to ask, but it's also a very difficult question to answer. You know, um, I've been, I've been, Funny enough, I've been talking about ICOs on panels and presentations since since May last year, mm -hmm. and I still consider myself to, to be a novice in this space. But I don't think there are any experts yet. Um, you know, there is only opinion. Um, you know, the way that we've done it is I have been pretty much, as I said at the beginning, on a plane since May last year, um, unfortunately in London for the day today, but I came back late last night and I leave again tomorrow. My wife is smiling. She smiled earlier and said, why did you even bother coming home? Um, I said I was on two sides of the world. London was in the middle. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I've just been learning. My co-founder and I and uh, my gaming co-founder and the team that I've got, we've got a team of 16 people, um, excluding board members and, and founders, that all they're doing is learning about this space. And, It's, it's a really uh, interesting space. You know, there is so much knowledge in this space and there's so much learning. You know, every, every day I learn something new and every week I learn something that makes me question what I'm, the way I'm doing things. That's you know, point. that's a really good, good point. thing. Yeah. That's a really good, you know, and, you know, I walk out, of, you know, having a five minute chat with someone or a meeting, you know, it can be formal, it can be informal and going, Oh, what they're doing is really great. What they've thought of or the question they've asked me or the concern they've asked me, that's a really valid point. Mm -hmm. And it questions, and, and I think that questioning is very good. So um, I think there are a number of ways of doing this. Um, firstly, you have to choose a jurisdiction that is very favorable about blockchain, but is also a jurisdiction that has democracy, proper rule of law, proper business practices, proper regulation of normal companies and there aren't that many of those actually that you can that you can point to um then you've got to um create a structure around the company that has a very 
um, uh, well represented and proven financial management side of it. You know, how are you going to, you know, you people can be raising a lot of money in this space. How have you had any experience in raising that sort of money before, you know, and managing that sort of money before if you have successfully, that's important because that shows to the, the, the people that look at it, be they, you know, people that are buying your tokens, be it the regulators, be it your directors that you can do it. Then I think you need to create a very strong board of people with serious reputations, you know, mm-hmm. not people that are just being paid for, for doing a job. You know, people with serious reputations that are putting their name, a director in a in in a in a uh, respected jurisdiction has legal responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And if he and if he flouts those legal responsibilities, it's it can be a criminal act. Mm-hmm. You know, it's certainly right. it's cert- you know that is important because once you've created that, you're cr- you're showing to the to the outside world that we're doing that the that the the company itself is a properly regulated company. I think that's 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 very important to 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 do that. The second thing is you then look at what the what the regulators say in each country, and you have you have examples like Gibraltar and Switzerland. Um, Maybe Singapore. I'm not so familiar with that, but I hear that they they have very they they very they've laid out very in very specific detail what you can and can't do, mm-hmm. you know. And if you and if you locate yourself in one of those territories and you follow their regulations and their rules, um, regulations may be a bit strong still, but certainly their rules, then you you have some surety in what you're doing. And the second and the the the, the final thing is you you. If you enter those spaces where you know the regulators are um, concerned about this space and haven't told you what to do, um, then you either avoid that territory if you can, though that's got its problems that I'll explain, or or you, you read up on every single regulation that's around that space and you know for for traditional investment and you make sure you follow that mm-hmm. and that i think is as safe as you can do um and that's the, that's the process that we've been followed in terms of the terms of i just i brushed on that point about missing out territories the problem with missing out territories is if you're going to be building a global product and your product is token is based on a tokenized model and you've excluded ter- enormous territories, for instance, China, the US, mm-hmm. f- for sake of argument, which are the, the most two most valuable markets in the world. I think if you add up their GDP, it's bigger than all the others added together. You know, how do you enter that market if at all, uh, ever? Because you might not be able to, which means you've immediately excluded um, your two biggest uh, markets from your, from your eventual product. So, so it is, it is a very difficult space, which is why, I, you know, you can't answer it. Uh, and then the other thing I've done is I've, I've talked to a lot of, and I'm very, I get close to a lot of the big uh, token sales that I think did it well, in my view. And, I, and I'm, I either know their chief investment officer or I know their CEO, and we talk regularly. And, uh, and, and, and one of the things that they do, and we will probably do, is talk to the, is talk in detail to the regulators. We will not, we will not do a crowd sale, um, i.e., an IC, the ICO, what people generally implies an ICO, which is the crowd sale, until we're confident that we meet the the, the rules that the, the, the regulators yeah. set down or has told us. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a very good point. You mentioned before that you often meet with the teams in the successful ICOs that that you know and and just kind of you know exchange opinions and and things you've seen and and observed how in your experience what separates such a company that is running a, a good ICO let's say from from one that has maybe you know little chance of of doing things right There are two ways we we assess that. Three ways actually. One, we either meet them in in uh, an event, or we're introduced to them, and we talk to them for a while and assess that what they're doing is 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 proper, you know. And mm-hmm. and we will find information that they don't make public because we're not buyers, you know. They will talk about their pro, you know, 
most buyers aren't interested in the process they follow. We're interested in the process they follow. That's the first way. The second is um, where we use legal firms or we know legal firms very well and they, they're clients of theirs. So we're, you know, we're attracted, you know, the law firms that we use are only take clients on that they consider to be following the, the proper rules. They're not, they're not, they, they push the boundary slightly as you have to in the space, but they're very conservative. Um, so, so that's, that's the third. And the third way I've done it is by, you know, I found some ICOs, which I really like the look of. I think they've done it really well. Um, they're quite big. And I happen to know someone as, that's part of the team. Like there's one, I won't mention the name of them because it's inappropriate to say who I think is good and who I think is bad. Uh, there's one who I happen to be uh, a family friend of mine was their chief investment officer. So, you know, when I found that out, I could go and talk to him and we could have a, a chat about what he, they were doing. Yeah. And, and, and that was the third way I did it. Right. It's a small world still, right? Just as the, the jurisdictions that you mentioned, I mean, Gibraltar, Switzerland, Malta, those are all small jurisdictions. That means you can go and almost have lunch with the regulator. And uh, it's, I think it's very similar with, with all the big players in this field. Well, I, you, that's it's right. It's right. It's also some of those jurisdictions. I mean, Gibraltar, for instance, we've already done it. You know, you meet the ministers that are in charge of this area. You know, and and before we chose uh, Gibraltar, I mean, uh, I met with him um, and I talked to him, and I, I I wanted to understand what they were doing. And you know, they give you confidence. We're seeing we're seeing them next week in New York at a, at a, at a dinner. You know, because we is uh, we're very heavily. Um, invested in in Gibraltar. I don't mean that we put money in, but we're invested. You know, so our future is invested in in Gibraltar. You know, we meet them and we discuss, and and you you want to you want to know those things. And, and I agree that it makes it. You know, if you want to try and meet the a minister in the UK or the U, uh, or US, you know, uh, yeah, uh, a government official, it would be it'd be very 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 difficult. But in these spaces, it's it's much easier. Yes, so. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. What are when you look at the entrepreneurs who run, you know, the, the successful crypto or blockchain companies, what are characteristics that you observe with with them? What are the CEOs of the CEOs of the founders? Um, <clears throat> I think they're very similar to most entrepreneurs. You know, they they now previously um, if you if you. If you'd asked me that question in May, in June, July, August last year, I would say they're they're very young. They came uh, they came out of university. They understand maths. They understand the blockchain. They they've worked in a, a lot of them had worked in blockchain company. You know, companies that were looking at the blockchain. Uh, they've done it at university, college, or university. I think what you're seeing now is it's much more stat entrepreneurs with who who uh, who are just see generally serial entrepreneurs, because if you're an entrepreneur with one company behind you, you tend not to jump and do another one. So these are serial entrepreneurs. I think a lot of them are quite idealistic. Um, 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 they, I, they, they, they're, they're very keen for the world to um, be better for, for those people that find the current world tough. Um, people that, 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 that uh, find it difficult to to get on the property ladder, people that are you know people that are unbanked, people that live in regimes where the the which is which are undemocratic. You know, I think those um, and that's a lot of people. I mean, those two, the unbanked and the people living undemocratic. You know, I think they they really want to do something good. Um, I think it's moved from this you know four or five years ago this sort of. Um, slightly destructive um, uh, nature of the business, you know, where it was, we want to replace the old. Um, I think, you know, what you're seeing now is you, you don't want to replace the old, you just want to make it better for the rest. Um, and that's a really great thing. And I, I like that. Um, so, so those are the type of people you see. And the, the final set you see, um, and this is what blockchain smokers did, um, you know, when we were doing that and the companies, those, those that I've met through that, they're people that, whose product is improved enormously by the blockchain. So content management systems, some construction management software, luxury good soft products, you know, that manage luxury goods. Those, 
those products are so obviously improved by this technology that those those entrepreneurs that that learn about it and that's what blockchain smokers did we used to teach these entrepreneurs about the tech and try and convince them that the blockchain was good they would then come back to us and say oh i understand what you're saying you know if i build um if i do this i can do all these things i think that those are the final set of entrepreneurs i see yeah cool speaking of of that you know when you said you wanted to bring more traditional entrepreneurs or businesses onto the blockchain, into the blockchain space and, and work with it and explore it. Um, what should maybe more traditional companies and also investors in the crypto and blockchain space understand better? They, they need to think of, they need to think of two things. One is um, my view. One is that um, the, the blockchain is, very early tech um it's it's the the products they can build today are going to be very different from the products they can build in 10 years mm -hmm. you know and they've got to be able to to manage that process so so the first company i built and i'm sure it'll make you smile now you probably haven't, haven't even used one it was for content management distribution and the reason we came up with delivering life activation keys rather than anything else around the world is some of our clients were still on 14.4k modem you know, which would dial up, you know, and, and they couldn't receive much data. So, so the technology we needed to build in those days was completely different from what that company does now, where you've got gigabit ethernet, you know, around the world, you know, and fiber, you know. So, so you've got to be able to, to plan you a product based on, on what exists today and not say, and not, um, not believe what the blockchain's vision is in the future, you know, as the only reason you're in, involved in this space. Um, so that's, that's really important. But the second thing you've got to, I, the, the, you know, I don't think the real excitement is going to come from people saying, I've got this business that is a logistics business and I'm just going to stick it on the blockchain and it's going to do pretty much the same thing it's doing today. You know, I, and the, where the, 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 for me, the excitements are projects like my Atari one, I mean, Atari uh, one would be one because otherwise I wouldn't be involved in it. So it's not like, not like I'm selling my own product. It's just that's where I'm excited. It's where they take existing technology and existing expertise. They say, this is what the blockchain can do. What does that create? You know, and it doesn't actually create necessarily anything like the existing te technologies. It's just the te existing technologies are the base. So they do something completely different. So before, you know, the internet, when the internet was created, you know, people just downloaded, you know, pictures and, uh, you know, they sent emails around. And then you got the, f the first generation of companies was searching because you started getting a lot of information. Then you got some e-commerce platforms. It was only later that you got Web 2.0 and social networking and things like that. Social networking was, was much more exciting to me than even with all its issues, was an exciting innovation than, than putting a shop online because, you know, that was something that could never have been done before. You know, there was mail order before there was Amazon. It's just Amazon was incredibly efficient at it. And, it, you know, it was it's an amazing, and Amazon has become much more than that. But but it's when you did, it's these these ideas that come around in the second generation where people are saying, wow, you know, because we've got this, we can do something that people have never done before. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, that's what I, I try to look at. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's, that's quite a leap though, sometimes, right? I mean, it's, I'm sure that um, many companies who got on board with the internet very early on couldn't imagine. I mean, certainly, you know, I and everybody I know couldn't imagine that there would be social media at some point. Um, and so it's maybe more a cultural thing with the companies to drive more some, you know, emergent technology, uh, emergent strategies and see that they can adapt to, to new things as they happen? Um, yes, it's, it's, it's often, uh, it's, you know, innovation is never, disruptive innovation is never, is rarely a single step. It's, it's, always, it's very often multiple steps. I think what you're seeing now is because we're working so fast in this space, I think that there are some of those companies already coming out, you know, I think, you know, I think two years of blockchain is like 10 years of internet, you know, in terms of because there's so much, so much brain power in this space and so much enthusiasm for it. Um, um, 
Um, and the financing mechanisms are so interesting, exciting. You know, the, the fact that people are able to raise these sort of monies is very, very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so, so, yeah. Does that mean that there's going to be a greater success rate of companies compared to the internet revolution? No, doesn't mean that at all. I just think the the speed at which those companies are being created is faster. Mm -hmm. Cool. For you, as an as an entrepreneur yourself, uh, who are your role models? Oh, in the space or outside the space? Just in general, maybe starting with when, when you launched your first company and then moved into this new space. Hmm. I guess, you know, I guess it would be my, my, my father and father-in-law were probably my role models um, if I was going to be very insular about it. I mean, you know, anyway... Obviously, I have great respect for the likes of Bill Gates, who obviously were, when I was young, they were the entrepreneurs of my time. I mean, now I, I guess it would be people like Elon Musk, Elon Musk, you know, these are, these are great visionaries. Um, but no, I think it's much, it's much closer to hope. My father was a, was a phenomenal entrepreneur, and, my, and so is my father-in-law, and they have very different backgrounds. Uh, they, in fact, they have very similar backgrounds, but very different um, educations um, and, and early lives in terms of academics and, and, and then went on to do incredibly great things. And, and I think that's, that's, a, you know, that's all, that's been one of the things that, as I mentioned earlier, that's been one of the things that I've told, you know, uh, authorities about European commission, British government, you know, to encourage people to be entrepreneurs, you need to encourage them to think they can be like, you've got to find people that they think they can be like that. I, um, as much as I think highly of myself, and I have to think highly of myself, although I never do this, I don't see myself as an Elon Musk or a Bill Gates. You know, they're just they're just on a different, completely different level. You know, I, I can't even um, uh, recognize that sort of third person in me. You know, uh, you know, but I can recognize my father and my father-in-law in me, and they're people that I can I can I can see, um, and 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 I could talk to. Um, you know. So, uh, so, so I guess it was those. Yeah, it's maybe much more important to have real people that you can emulate than just idols, right? That are hard to reach. I think they're very. It's much more real. You know, it's much more real. Um, uh, so I think it's it's a little like just to just talk on that that that, anal that analogy a little more. You know, I always used to equate it to football. You know, soccer, football. You know. And sports, you know, most people can see that there's a footballer. You know, most people that have from 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 backgrounds where they don't have entrepreneurs can see that there's a footballer that came out of their town, came out of their village, and went on to great superstardom. And therefore, people can see themselves as that sort of person. Most people can't see themselves as the Bill Gateses or the the Elon Musks of the world, and that's I think that's one of the disinhibitors from people thinking wanting to do, become an entrepreneur, and the and why so many people want to become sportsmen because they can see people like themselves have achieved those sort of heights. I mean, the the chance of it happening are just as low. They just can associate with that those figures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a very good point. Um, what's what's next for you in the coming months? Um, we, we continue to um, work on um, Atari. Um, that's really the big focus for, for us. Mm -hmm. um, we're starting to build product now. Um, we have a very aggressive development cycle coming up. Um, we've completed our, seed, our very, very first round. We called it a founder round. Um, again, an unusual, um, not a standard uh, token sale type of uh, round, um, but then none of our rounds are similar to to what's generally happened in this space. Um, but yeah, it's it's very much it's 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 uh, working on the you know it's working on that foundation, improving it, raising our what is generically called a pre-sale. But we you know we we have a we have two more rounds coming up that are very private private and institutional rounds, um, and and building out product and 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 learning. You know, um, there are, as I said, there are four co-founders of the business, two that are ex very executive, um, two that are one that's medium and one that's not executive at all. Um, but but we have two executive founders, my, myself and Ron, my, my, my old friend, and he's responsible for building the product, 
for um, for he'll, he'll be the CEO and he'll he'll really run the project project and the and the team the growth the team that is now growing very fast. Um, but my role will be much more to to continue to find companies in the space that are sim- that have product that we can learn from or we can work with or we can help grow to help us create a, a, a very large platform. So, so I'll continue to do what I'm doing at the moment, which is meeting, going to events, meeting people, going to just meeting everyone that we can to try and understand what is going on in this space and how we can best use what's going on in the space to, to, to improve our success and also the success of the space itself. You know, there are a lot of challenges that we have in the, the blockchain, and they're the biggest challenges that we have in the blockchain that we cannot solve by ourselves. You know, um, those are technical challenges, for instance, the use of um, the use of uh, um, and the speed uh, and the and the uh, scalability of the blockchain itself. That's that's clearly one of them. And the, and the second are the the. I use the word very loosely, but the regulatory side, you know, how do we, you know, as these tokenized models become pervasive, how do you operate a tokenized model? You know, what are the, what are the requirements for using it? Um, How, what are the, what are the taxation models on it? What are the uh, anti-fraud models on it? What are the anti-gambling regulations? What are the banking regulations? These are these are going to be challenges that this space, that everybody in this space is going to find themselves uh, having to deal with as the space becomes bigger, especially if you can, if tokens can be exchanged for other tokens or which is a necessity in these models or to exchange for cash or cash is put into the tokenized economy. You know, those are the type of things that that, that really that is that where I will spend my time to make sure that, that those um, that we're working with similar sized companies and similar and people with a similar outlook to us to try and ensure that those matters are, are resolved mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to, to allow the, uh, the industry to grow. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Do you think we're more maybe on the side of underestimating what this technology can do or you know, is it, is it maybe more an, a matter of becoming more realistic in coming years? What has been possible? I think the another fantastic question. I think the other the question to that is both. So I think there are most many people in this space that are that are expect, expecting very quick results and world changing results in the very very short term, and I think that's not likely to happen on the on the on the scale of likeliness. That's on the very very unlikely. It could happen, but I. I personally, I would fall on the unlikely side. If you're looking outside the space, um, and let's face it, 95% of the people in the world haven't heard of the blockchain. If you take the, the 6 billion or 7 billion of us, you know, and even in when you're talking about the, the, the developed world, you're probably talking about, you know, less than 30% really know, know about it. And of those, you know, um, maybe five percent have some reasonable understanding of it, and only half a percent understand, have deep understanding of it. I mean, it's it's so fractional. I think that is the that is the massive change, and it's and it's and it's the and it's the argument about you know whether Bitcoin is going to be valuable or not valuable is is it. So few people use those sort of cryptocurrencies and have access to it. If many, if the majority of the world does, of course, it's going to be valuable. But also that we all, we look at things always through our own echo chamber. And the and the thing I wanted to solve in the blockchain by with blockchain smokers was to break outside that echo chamber of the same people for the last two years talking about the same things. The more people you bring in, the more echo chamber. And that's the same thing with the cryptocurrency. We. I look at cryptocurrency in one way. All my friends and colleagues look at it in a completely different way, which it's got no value to them. They say, well, why would you bother having an asset? We can buy gold, we can buy houses. But there are 2 billion people that are unbanked in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you do, if you look through their eyes, cryptocurrency is life-changing. You know, there are 
several billion people living in dictatorships or in family or in in societies where they're discriminated against either because they're a woman or because they're because of something religious or something racial mm-hmm. though in those societies owning a currency like uh, a, a cryptocurrency is phenomenally important to those people and and we can't see it and that's that's so that, to try and answer your second question i think the final um uh manifestation and development and products that come out of the blockchain are greater than we can ever think but what happens in the short term is probably less than we think cool that's great thanks so much thanks a lot daniel and uh really appreciate your taking time today thank you Manuel, and i hope to speak to you soon thanks so much for joining us today more info on our guests and our sponsors is in the show notes of this episode and on the podcast website theblockchainandus.com To help people find this podcast, it's important that you download, subscribe, and give it a top rating and review on iTunes or on the podcast platform of your choice. I'm Manuel Staggers, and I thank you very much for listening.